Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode, where tonight it is the Ghoul Geek Keith's pick of the week, Pitch Black from 2000, directed by David Twoey. We're going to get on with that later on in the show, but as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith himself. Hello, 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 everybody. What is going on tonight? I hope you're ready for this episode where we're going to be talking about some Vin Diesel sci-fi action, why he decides he's never going to wear sleeves. Don't know, don't care. It's a Vin Diesel movie. You get what you get. I live for this <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, no, we are not joined by the Dean tonight because apparently it is his anniversary. So yet again, he's taking the night off. No idea what he wants sexy to pick for next week. Dean. We'll find out. It's a sexy <laughs> yeah. night, dude. He's going to get that fucking... He's gonna get it all lubed up. He's, you know, he's out in Cali. He's gonna drink some of that, uh, that sexy time tea that they've got over there, man, with a little bit of that THC in there. Makes his gang real hard, like yak wine. Uh-huh. We're gonna get to it. He's gonna get to it. He's gonna get it. But as always, we also drum out his psychotic himself. Someone more his day. Yes. Mad Monkey, get funky with it. Hey there, all you beautiful people out there. This is the Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where I and my lovely co-host bring you the best goddamn horror podcast in the land. So you need to go nowhere else. Just listen here, listen live, listen on your things, just listen often. Hello, my beautiful co-host. How are we doing tonight? Oh, oh yeah. I was doing well. <laughs> and I, I actually, I had said at the top of the show that we don't know what the Dean's pick is for next week. I actually do. I forgot about it. So I just had to pull up the information so at the end of the episode I get it right because I was like, fuck, what is it? Okay, yeah. Yep, he's going with that one. <laughs> so we do have a pick for next week. We'll make the announcement at the end of the show. Um, before we kick off what I have for horror news and what's going on in the world, uh, what have you guys been watching since you last talked? I know, uh, Google, you've been knee-deep in some love reality shows. How are those going on for you? <laughs> I can't, man. It's, please uh, please yeah, tell us know, about that. Here's this, <laughs> this unforeseen fucking thing here. Like, look, I like stupid TV as much as anybody else. But, you know, for the life of me, I've almost always avoided reality TV. I've taken my dips and dabs, you know, freaking uh, American Idol, a couple seasons of doing that. Mm. Uh, America's Got Talent, like fun things that, inqu- you know, that, that require like singing talent or some kind of just weird gimmick. But for the most part, I've avoided all the survivors and the big brothers and, and, and especially anything to do with any kind of like relationship show. But then, last okay. week, uh, as, as I said on the show, we watched that show Too Hot to Handle, uh, which is like a Netflix show. Stick a bunch of people on, a, you know, like on an island somewhere tell them that they're not allowed to have sex in any way, shape, or form and see what happens. You know, no sexual contact. So we really enjoyed that show. A lot of fun. 
but it was only one season. So we found from like 2015 on Hulu, Love Island. Now this is a long show that sticks these people into a villa together for like six weeks. Okay. And it follows them every day of the week. So there's like, you know, I don't know, for season one, there's like 34 episodes, you know, because it's going throughout the course of an entire month that you're living with them. We have just, I don't know, we tumbled into this thing, like head first, you know. We uh, were still in season one. We're on like episode 32. We're enjoying the hell out of it. The, the ladies are hot. Dudes are good looking, you know, so the, the, the ghoul girls got eye candy on both ends. I've got eye candy for me. It, it works, man. It really does. Now, unlike Too Hot to Handle, uh, from the trailers I've seen of Love Island, it's pretty much where anything goes. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. There's been a little bit of nudity. There's people are banging. They're doing all kinds of shit in there, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> you know, you, you got you to gotta acclimate to the accents because they come from all over, you know, Britain and whatnot. So, like, the one girl, Hannah, she's got a school accent, so it's real hard to understand sometimes. Um, you know, some of them are from, like, the Essex area, so it's a little bit softer, a little, you know, I don't know, whatever you call classier, I guess. Uh, again, you know what, Jess is our one girl. We actually found this other chick who's not even on this show. I think she was from, like, whatever the original variation is. Like, me and me, me and the cool girl have decided that this is going to be, like, our, our live-in house slave that we're going to just torture, you know, like <laughs> Jessica Impiazza or something like that is her name, man. Wow. I'm sure that'll go over well with uh, Miss <laughs> Jessica Impiazza. Just come over and be our She's got slave. no choice in the matter. She's got no say. She's, you know, that's what we have handcuffs <laughs> and ropes for. <laughs> I'm sure she'll go willingly into that good night <laughs> to be your house and slave. Where, and where did you find Love Island, Ghoul? Hulu. Yeah, well, again, we were just oh, looking for something oh. similar to Too Hot to Handle, and we just happened to be skimming Too cold through. We're like, Ooh, look, <laughs> young people in bikinis and stuff. Let's let's check this one out. <laughs> All right. And, Monkey, I believe that you checked out a classic mm-hmm. piece of cinema this past week that uh, I still can't believe you've never saw before. What? Talking about we saw in the darkness? Because I checked that well, out, too. No, no, no. No, we're going to talk about the other one. Oh, oh, you're, t- yo, you're talking about me. <laughs> okay, you're talking about me finally getting around to this classic 1986 <laughs> action movie, which I had never seen before, starring Sylvester Stallone called Cobra. And yeah, man, yeah, I can't believe you've never seen that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things, man. It just, I just always missed it. Um, Stallone was never really big in our house growing up, um, just because. You know, my mom thought he was, you know, uh, uh, Italian the and, devil? you know, all, all that. Yeah. No, it's just, you know. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean your mom thought he was Italian? Okay, yes, he is actually of Italian <laughs> descent. But what the fuck your mom got against Italian? <laughs> it's just she, she knows wow. nothing about, like the, like, the New York culture or anything like that. And that's how she assumed any of that was. And it's just one of those things when it came time for watching action movies, it was – Always Jean-Claude Van Damme or Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so wait, she was okay with the Austrian muscle, 
and Mr. Muscles from Brussels, but she was yeah. not okay with a little bit of pure Americana fucking Sylvester Stallone, man. You know what, Mama Mm-mm. Children? I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> Jeez. It's something about the Italians. Yeah. Especially with the yeah, Italian-American it, thing, too. You know what? You fucking... You, you guys are like, what, English? English and, like, some yeah. Puerto Rican or something, right? What are you? Pretty <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Especially English and Puerto Rican. You know what, man? That's it. We're going to war. <laughs> yeah, and it's just... But, but at the same time, going back and, oh, and watching the thing, I, like, I really had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um... I was really shocked at the amount of gore that was in this movie. Like just, and I'm not talking like bang bang shoot 'em up gore, where you know you, you know you got squibs all over the place and all that kind of stuff. You know, straight up horror movie gore going on here. And um, I was also impressed that Stallone directed this thing um, and was involved with that. And um, I, <laughs> Brigitte Nielsen totally blew me away because I had no idea that that was her. Like, if it hadn't said it in the opening credits, I wouldn't have known, just because she could actually she could actually act in this movie, <laughs> unlike Red Sonja, <laughs> or, you know, that kind of shit. Um, but, you know, so, like, you know, I don't know if maybe this was during the time when they were married or something, because it threw me off, because when it came time for, you know, your standard 80s sex scene that is supposed to be in every action movie, it didn't fucking happen. <laughs> there was no sex scene. <laughs> Cobra was all about staying on the fucking job. He wasn't about to get to, get down on that shit. <laughs> that was Stallone's call. Yeah. Not yeah. sex scene in that movie. Yeah. Just wants to be yeah. about him being a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that whole thing started with uh, Stallone. I guess was originally supposed to do Beverly Hills Cop. Um, yeah. What? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to do Beverly Hills Cop. He pulled away from it, rewrote it, took out all the comedy, and this is that movie. But the studios were like, yeah, no. So he ended up going on, and uh, yeah, yeah, we had Paul Cosmatos or whatever the hell his name is, and, uh, yeah. and he directed it yeah. and all that fun stuff. But yeah, this was originally, uh, yeah. this was originally Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> Holy shit. And then it threw me off that, you know, we were talking about him last week. The motherfucker who plays Shao Kahn showed up again. So there he Mr. is Brian in this movie. Thompson. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the only thing I, I was upset about with the movie was I was really hoping that they would have gone story-wise more into the cult. Um, even just a couple more minutes of giving Shao Kahn some screen time of just talking about how, you know, dark his shit is and, you know... He, he needs his followers or something like that, you know, to just give the cult a little bit more life. Oh, it would have been a Stallone movie then. Stallone had to have the gunfights. He's like, ah, you know, n- enough <laughs> of this horrible shit. Like, I want to shoot people. Like, I, I need more action. I need more car changes. <laughs> Kept focusing on the slasher bullshit. Even though that's what it is. A slasher movie with Stallone in it. He just stumbled onto the set one day. Hey, oh, hey. Seems like a good idea for <laughs> <laughs> Can I shoot that guy? <laughs> well, I want to be Edgar Allan Poe my next movie, huh? Yeah, that's, that's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, but then I also watched We Summon the Darkness. You know, cool. I what did you think you about that? It. King, I I know you fucking saw it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, and it it was weird, man. It was a weird ass movie because 
I enjoyed the premise of it. I uh, unfortunately, you know, Diva called it, you know, ten minutes into the movie and was like, "Yeah, that's the twist." And I was like, "Would you shut the fuck up?" But it was oh, like, <laughs> but it was weird because it was like the entire movie was pretty much the last fifteen minutes of Scream stretched out into a full length movie. <laughs> like as and I, like the, yeah. the, as as far as like you know the intensity of what was going on, it's like as soon as it fucking went up, it went up and it fucking stayed there. It's like I think they should have done a little bit better job with pacing, like giving you a little bit more of a roller coaster ride. Which I think that was the point of mom showing up, <laughs> um, or stepmom. But uh, <laughs> but all in all, I had a good time with it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the, the twist, I mean, if you watch it, you know, if you're paying attention, you can tell what's going to happen with that twist. Like, even the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, something's not right. <laughs> something's not adding up. There's going to be well, some kind of a I twist. Mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get spoilers part, because it's, you know. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to avoid, too. But, I mean, the reality is this. This is another case of a movie where, you know what, if you watch the trailer, it eliminates something right from the start and that's who mm-hmm. the antagonists are you know yeah. and that's that's a problem i think if this movie i think as made if you were to go into this movie blind you would sit there going back and forth wondering you know because you, your mind is going to automatically say well it's the guys you know, but instead the yeah. big flip that you get is that it's not. But that's right in the fucking trailer. So you know right then and there that that's where that's going. So the only big yeah. twist is really in that yeah. last 15 minutes. And yeah. I don't know, you can see that coming a mile yeah. away. Yeah, and, see, well, I know, went into this blind. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't watch any okay. trailers or nothing. I, it's just both of you guys said, you know, we watched it. We had fun with it. So I was like, okay. And when it came time for us to watch a movie – Diva pulled up her list of shit to download, and I was like, wait, you want to see We Some of the Darkness? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, done. Hack, attack, attack. And, yeah, like I said, uh, who would have thought Johnny Knoxville would be actually good in the movie, like where he's not getting kicked in the nuts, you know, for like an hour <laughs> and a half. You know, it's, he's actually playing a good character, which I was surprised because I just didn't expect that out of Knoxville. I'm so used to just seeing mm. him getting hit in the head, <laughs> you know, and actually playing a fun character. You know, well, having he some did, kind of meat to that he, character. He, he, did, he did okay with that one movie where he was with The Rock, um, uh, Walking Tall, where he, he pretty no, much played right, his yeah, sidekick yeah. in the movie. Yeah, he delivered yeah, a solid performance there. See, to me, it was still Knoxville being Knoxville in that movie. Like, you know, playing like kind of like the bumbling sidekick. Where right. it's like, yeah, I dig it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. You know what? It's, just, it's hard with Knoxville. I've enjoyed Knoxville in everything, you know, whether it's him yeah. getting his, uh, himself kicked in the balls and doing his physical comedy, which he's taken and moved into, you know, where it's not quite jackass. But then when you look at something like, um, whatever, the, the action point, action point, you know, yeah. like movies like that in which, you know, they'll use a little bit of the physical comedy borrowing from like the stunt aspects of, jackass but there's still a film involved with it he was great in you know he had a small role in lords of Do- uh, lords of dogtown he was fantastic yeah, he in that as kind of like a scumbag promoter that comes in and steals away i think tony alva um you know oh that was him uh, that played that 
Okay. That was him in that in that <laughs> movie. He was he did the voice of Leonardo in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in 2014. You know that's Johnny fucking Knoxville. <laughs> he actually can perform. He's really good. Yeah, I've always liked Knoxville. That's what I'm saying. I'm not knocking Knoxville, but just to see him in this movie do something a little bit different was fun. Like it was actually kind of cool to see him just do something a little bit different than what he's used to. I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Ringer. It's like one of my favorite movies. That, another great movie. <laughs> It's such a good movie, like you know, just all the way through. Because it's got such a good message too. It's not just about the silliness of it. It's actually got a good message too, which I really did appreciate when I saw it in the theaters. But it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always going to love Knoxville, even in all the jackass yeah. things that he did. I mean, the guy could take damage. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> all the injuries that he's gotten over the years. So, well, I mean, I'm glad I that you enjoyed Cobra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially the one stunt that he was doing for Evil Knievel special, where he was riding the motorcycle and he ended up getting it jammed into his groin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the stunt went wrong. <laughs> he got the handlebar right through the nads. Just a horrible, horrible accident that he still yeah. talks about. But now, My only problem with The Ringer, which I thought, again, a hysterical film. I thought a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But... You know, the only problem I had with it is it came out a year after the episode was done on South Park. You know, and that... Oh, I remember that one, yeah. It kind of made me Off the damn steroids. Exactly. Did he borrow from that to kind of... Because it's literally, like, almost the entirely same storyline, you know, where Cartman decides that that he's special so that he can be (laughs) in the Special Olympics and win shit. And it was like, oh, my God, like, I'm literally watching that, except it's in a physical film form instead of it being a cartoon. That's a good question. Right. I don't know if it was being worked on at the same time or, you know, I mean, that's a good question because they are very similar. I just, I mean, both are great. I mean, that episode alone, Carmen just oh. truly an evil motherfucker. <laughs> really what's showing your, you how evil he is. He's retarded. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but then when his when he gets his ass kicked in every fucking thing, he's like, what the hell? <laughs> it's so great. Um, all right, so yeah, so uh, Monkey saw We Summon the Darkness and Cobra. Uh, for myself, I actually just watched the King Hotter documentary on uh, Shudder, which is fucking phenomenal. If you have Shudder, watch the King Hotter documentary to hell and back where they just cover his entire life and career. And there was moments in there where it gets emotional, not just for Kane, but even for me watching it, just to find out that he was bullied mercilessly when he was a kid because he was not a big kid, very small and scrawny. So he was always getting beat up Mm. to the point where somebody actually puked in a bag and threw it right in his face as a kid. Yeah, because they talked about that on Adam Green's sleepover, remember? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he went into detail about it. And then the, the burn that he suffered in 1977 where he lit himself on fire and it turned bad. And just the recuperation process where he was in the hospital for four months and the hospital was doing nothing for him. But then they said after four months that he got a staph infection and that he wasn't going to live much longer. And so they eventually transferred him to a burn unit. And six weeks later, he was out and he was fine. So he could have been transferred. Oh, Months Wait, earlier. I mean, if somebody has a burn, they can go to a unit in the hospital called the burn unit. No, this that is a different one. actually he, help people with burns. He went to a hospital in Reno because that's where he did the stunt. He went to a hospital in Reno 
and they were ill-equipped to deal with burns because they didn't have a burn unit. Mm-hmm. So they were just trying to take care of them the best that they could. So they were putting them in tubs and scraping the dead skin off. They weren't oh. letting him get up, so he developed bed sores. They did a skin graft surgery where he had to have his arms out, and then they realized that they couldn't get him into the room again, so they had to have him stand up and walk through the door sideways. Like he was in excruciating pain. Until, <laughs> until the doctor one day said, you got a staph infection, Kane. You're probably going to die soon. But here's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to transfer you to San Francisco, where they have this really great burn unit. He's like, why the fuck didn't you do that four months ago? <laughs> well, we thought we could take care of you. You gotta love the seventies, man. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, that scraping great of the skin stuff, though, man, that is some horrific shit, dude. When I torched oh, my yeah. leg in the, in the eighth grade, I remember there was one point where there was still because I had first, second, and third degree burns, like you know, because it was all spread from oh, my ankle shit, up to my oh. knee, and. uh yeah, stupidity as a kid, man. You do dumb things. But I remember at one point there was still some, like, skin still on it. And I had to, like, rinse off the leg because, you know, you had all the Silver Dean cream and they had all wrap, but I had to wash it before reapplying right. everything. And I put my leg, like, into the tub and we had the water running. And, like, you know, like, I went to, like, kind of, like, move it towards where the running water was. And all of a sudden, one of the blisters on it just started, like, swelling tremendously. I mean, it was like watching a water spill. I, like, nearly, like, just shit myself, like, right there in the bathroom. All it was was, like, the skin was pulled back a little bit, so the water was filling right. into, like, into the dead skin. But in my head, I'm automatically, right. like, my first instinct is, holy shit, what the fuck is the water doing to this burn? I'm going to die, Mom! <laughs> oh, fuck, man. I would have thought the exact same thing. <laughs> like, I'm going to die. This isn't right. Um, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't imagine that, you know, especially like you had said, the 70s. I mean, you're being stuck into a tub, and they're basically just scraping the shit out of your dead skin with a scalpel. And they're not giving you any anesthetic. And that was because Kane's father told him not to get any painkillers. Because when he was what? a soldier, he had seen members of his force get addicted to painkillers. So he told yeah, the doctor, go to heroin and everything. He's like, I don't want him to get addicted to painkillers, so don't give him anything for the pain. So he's just going to have to, you know, ride it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck. And as he lay there in that, you know, burnt state, he finally mustered it up and asked, where's Padme? Where's Padme? <laughs> uh, Sure. That was his first question. <laughs> you <laughs> killed her. No, I could feel her. Oh, sorry, man. Not that came. Like no. story of fucking I feel like I'm listening to the story of WWE's Kane. You know, like, like all over again. Burned by his half brother in the funeral home. Um, but no, it's just, then to to go then see his career where he did a burn stunt on a film back in the early 80s, he started loving doing th- uh, fire stunts. He just kind of fell in love fire with it, even though he was a burn victim. Part 8 was freaking awesome. Uh, part 7. The part. record burn. Yeah, Part 7. where it's, uh, It was on the record books for the longest burn, where it went on for 44 seconds. So imagine being on fire yeah. for 44 seconds <laughs> before they put you out. And Kane loved it. He's like, I, I found something that I actually really do like doing. So burns are my thing, even though he is a burn victim himself. I mean, I still question how the 
cabin exploded in that movie. <laughs> yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, things happen, I guess. It made for a great stunt. <laughs> that's, that's the way you yeah. look at it in a horror film. It's a great stunt. <laughs> yeah, so but, it's, to, it's but to but go through, but to have like the tenacity to go through all that and then be like, yeah, and now I'm going to conquer my demons and this is going to be my thing of doing burn stunts, even after all yeah. that he went through. That's what's and they interviewed nurses and did that. I mean, they were interviewing nurses on the documentary, saying, "Yeah, I've never seen that." <laughs> you know, usually when you're a burn victim like that, you don't ever want to be near fire again. And Kane just jumped right towards it. He just he found his place where he liked doing burn stunts. So it, it's a, a fantastic documentary. I can't say enough good things about uh, the Helen Back, the Kane Hodder story. A lot of good celebrities are interviewed, and then Kane said something which. I don't know if this is just Kane talking, just kind of fluff up his career, but he said back in 1983, he was approached by Wes Craven, who had this idea for a killer that had burns all over his body, and him knowing that Kane had this burn, maybe he could play a killer named Freddy Krueger. And he turned it down. So that's just not what I want to do. So, like I said, I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that's Kane just, you know, fluffing up his career. But he said that, mm-hmm. that, that yeah, they wanted, they wanted a stuntman, and they wanted somebody that had burns all over his body, like Kane does. But he ended up turning it down, and they ended up giving it to Robert England. Mm. Now, back then, was Kane built as pretty much like he is now, or was he a lot leaner back then? He was pretty lean back in 83. Because he oh, was doing okay. so you he, know, stunts, but he was still pretty lean. He wasn't, you know, back in 88 when he did uh, Friday 7, you know, built. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Because I was just saying, but, man, like, uh, you know, the, the Kane Hodder, we all know, man, he's just too damn big to play the role of Freddy. You know, he's <laughs> <yeah>. no way. <laughs> no, but they wanted a stuntman, so I get that. You know, they wanted a stuntman to play Freddy because that's what you do in these movies, you know, with these killers. Right. You get a stuntman because they could take the hits. And, you know, he mm-hmm. just decided to turn it down, which, you know, probably a yeah. good choice because Robert England is Freddy and he's Jason. Of course, you want somebody that's physically imposing because when you think about it, especially back at that point and throughout the 80s, your, your killers didn't need a personality. You know, Freddie brought a personality. Nope. Robert England brought a personality because he didn't have the physical presence, so you needed something else. It's like, you know, it's like they say, ugly guys have to have a good sense of humor type of deal you know, in order to score chicks. I know um, I do. It's yeah, true. It's just, it's just how it rolls. You, know, you got a little, you got a little dick. You got to make it up somewhere else. You know, monkey will tell you about that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me light switch um, for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, getting with some of the things I wanted to talk about tonight, I wanted to kick it off with the big thing that came out, and I posted it on the group chat today. Uh, and that's oh. AMC theaters is no longer going to be screening Universal Studio films after a dispute regarding the PVOD release of Trolls World Tour. Universal decided that since the theaters are closed, they're just going to put Trolls World Tour on video on demand where you could just rent it or buy it. And apparently that broke their contract with AMC. So AMC now is rejecting any films that they have. So that includes Halloween Kills, Candyman, Fast and Furious 9, among other films that are going to be released. So... I wanted to give us it a goal first and have his yeah, thoughts go ahead. on, on the this. Floor kind of yours. 
I mean, listen, man, you know, you know how I feel about what, what they did with the video on demand thing. Some studios just released movies straight out. They released them to be sold. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going for the rental only thing. And that's what Universal did. They did that with, uh, ho- uh, not ho- I was going to call it Hollow Man, uh, The Invisible Man. Um, right. They, they did that with trolls, you know, like I'm, I'm good with all that. I'm not renting a film for freaking 20 bucks. It's just not going to happen. Uh, you know, AMC, if they had some kind of contract or problem with it, well, I mean, listen, what do you want these studios to do? They made the fucking movie. The movie needs to, to get out there. They're not going to just sit and hold on it. They're not, if those companies, especially a movie like trolls, which is a big box office type of film, the first trolls movie, wildly successful kids films in general tend to make a lot of money for movie studios and obviously theaters. I see why AMC would be upset about it, but at the same time, you know, I think universal was kind of, you know, they were saying, Hey, listen, we can one, do something helpful during this crisis and put something out there that might at least spell some of these parents that have their kids at home. Here's something that we can release that they can rent. They can watch, um, you know, the kids can feel like they're special. They're seeing some movie that, you know, they should have been seeing in the movie theaters and so be it. At the same time, too, I'm sure Universal made a shit ton of money doing that because people did rent this movie. People did watch it. Their kids did watch it. And mm-hmm. they don't have to pay the movie theater. Um, you know, the theater's not getting its cut from it. And that's what it's going to come down to, money. I'm sure if AMC wasn't hurting right now because they had to be closed down, this wouldn't be a problem. I'm sure if Universal turned around and said, well, hey, listen, we're going to de- you know, give you guys 10% of whatever we make, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. But they're not going to do that because they're trying to recoup their money as well. Oh, everybody's hurting everywhere right now. You know, so AMC trying to turn around and, you know what, they can sit there and say that now all they want. But the fact of the matter is people are still going to go to other fucking theaters to go see Fast and the Furious 9. You know, people are still going to go to other theaters to see other movies getting released by this company. So if AMC wants to sit there and push people to another movie theater, they ain't hurting anybody but themselves with that. You know, so... You know, and I love AMC. They're all over here. That's why I have my A-list rewards thing and everything. But guess what? I am one of those people that enjoy the Fast and Furious movies as a guilty pleasure. So when the new one comes mm-hmm. out, you know, me and the Google girl are going to go to whatever theater we have to, whether or not I have my A-list. You know, but those are little things that if they start putting out movies that, you know, I want to see on a regular basis, well, if I'm going to go – to the theater down in Howell, Escape or whatever it's called, well, why do I need A-List if the Escape movie theater has every movie that I possibly want to see? If they have all the films that, you know, hey, AMC's saying, eh, you know, we're not going to carry uh, 20% of the movies. Screw that. I might as well just pay the same amount and go to another theater. Mm-hmm. Monkey, what do you think? Yeah, and like the ghoul said, like I was doing research on this thing, and Turns out Universal made like twice as much off of this VOD than they did the initial theater run for the first movie. So Universal's doing wow, quite okay. well. <laughs> um, well, and, they lost yeah, the, the theater Google. money though. That's the difference. You know what I mean? You got sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you real quick on that, but what you have to see the numbers they're showing us right now, right? They got to fudge it to make it look like it's successful for them. But the reality is this: okay. that movie would have been in theaters for about two months meaning people would have been buying tickets, lining up to go see it. All those people that are renting it now are the same people that would have seen it in the theater and then bought it when it came out anyway. 
Yeah. Um, but I completely understand where the ghoul's coming from, too, where in these times it's like, you know, <laughs> when everyone's being stuck together in the house, you need a little bit of a break. And when that break comes along in the, the form of, Trolls World Tour, and the kids are going, you know, clamoring and climbing all over you, you know, because they want to see it. You're going to fucking click yes, you know, just to shut them the fuck up for an hour and a half. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I could see AMC's point of being a little bit upset, but as far as them pulling it out, it's like the ghoul had said. He wants to see Fast and the Furious 9. He very easily can in another theater like Regal or Escape or any other number of theaters that are going to be playing Universal movies. So to me, it's just a bad move on AMC's part. I get why they're upset, but to pull those movies, you're just going to be driving business elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's just not good for you to recover from. Especially when you're already struggling. Like, again, like the ghoul said, you're, you're only hurting yourself. It's like you're trying to sit there and be the big dick swinging in the room, and, you know, you're on the verge of bankruptcy. You, you can't be putting, denying anybody right now. You should be instead <laughs> just talking to Universal and be like, hey, can we work this out somehow? <laughs> not, you will be banned from the theater forever. Because the ghoul will let a stink bomb in the balcony again. <laughs> and and we'll see if they, if they change their tune. I think that we're going to see a change of tune maybe down the road. I think this is just their initial reaction. I mean, it's just the, I, I can't imagine the profits that they're going to be losing once theaters reopen, you know, versus them just saying no more Universal ever. All right, well, then other theaters are going to gain. So you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And I just think it was uh, yeah, but- too quick of a move by AMC. <laughs> <laughs> yes, from now on, AMC will stick to only Lionsgate movies, and no longer will be playing any Universal movies. <laughs> or MGM. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, I, yeah, I just don't, it's it's going to be all Disney and all Marvel films, that's all. They're like, hey, you know what, we're just going to put out Star Wars movie, Disney movies, and Mar- Marvel films, and, and they'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we'll see how it develops yeah. I mean this is just, it's, it's still ongoing um, But I have uh, two things About Michael Doherty uh, Director of Godzilla King of the Monsters And also Trick or Treat Because he's uh, back in the horror news So Michael Doherty was talking about What he would want to do for a Godzilla sequel If he ever got the chance to do another one And he said that his idea would be Godzilla BC Let's take all the humans out of the equation Let's stick it on a fucking you know planet where Godzilla and all these monsters are just battling for supremacy. I don't want to see any more humans, just monsters, just battles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's yeah. an interesting idea. Yeah, but it's already been done. It was called Monster Island. <laughs> oh, somebody should tell Michael Doherty that was done. <laughs> see, yeah, I don't it know was about done. That. And so, and don't get me wrong, it was a fun movie. It's a great movie. Uh, I'm sorry, Monster Island. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I believe it was called Destroy All Monsters. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Destroy uh, All Monsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's he talking about, Monster fucking Island? What's this Monster sorry. Island movie? Scooby-Doo? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Scooby-Doo? laughs> whoa, whoa. Um, but yeah, and back in the day, it worked. It's it's an awesome movie. It's a fun movie. Um, You get to see a lot of the other characters that were part of the Godzilla universe that were only hinted at. Baby Godzilla. You know, but you... <laughs> Godzuki? Godzuki, yeah. Uh, Godzu- uh, Godzuki was the Hanna-Barbera yeah. cartoon. <laughs> it's still canon. still counts. 
I, uh, you know, but, I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't know you were unfinished, man. No, no, no. Go. No, no. I was just taking a breath. Go ahead, Google. Sorry. No, I mean, I just think like, okay, I'm not against the idea. Cause, you know, like I, I, I enjoyed Godzilla for what it is. The first one. Um, I thought Skull Island was done very well. I liked it being a period piece. I liked some of the some of the things they put in there. Um, I. I wish I saw King of Monsters in theater. That was, again, one of those movies that I kept saying, okay, I got to get to the movie theaters and see it. And unfortunately, I didn't have my A-list yet. And when I finally got A-list, it was like literally playing in one movie theater all the way down in Cherry Hill. I wasn't taking the hour and change ride down to Cherry Hill to go see it. I figured I'd just wait for it to come home. Then when it did, it came out digitally. I bought a day of. We watched it. You know, uh, it's it's a very enjoyable movie, but it's one of those that again, as soon as I saw it on my TV, I was like, man, I really wish I went to the theater for it because some of those bigger sequences, those large fucking scenes, were probably yeah. really really cool. Um, that being said, yes, I enjoy the monster aspect of it. The reason why the human stuff works, the ghoul girl liked that stuff. She was willing to watch the movie because it had the human elements to it. Even like, even as I'm watching it, thinking to myself, wow, man, they're really fucking bad. They can't ask their way out of a paper bag in this one. Talk about a paycheck movie. <laughs> She's like totally sold on the whole thing. You know, because for her, it's about the human drama. It's the bouncing off of that that makes right. it interesting with the monsters. For me, I'm like the little kid, you know, like, ooh, give me big monster here. Oh, give me big robot there. Fight, fight, fight. Go, 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 go. The only thing I could think that would work would be if they did something where it was just monsters only, you're going prehistoric, then you have to go with like a, a David Attenborough type of voiceover narrator to kind of go with it, you know, and kind of give you this almost like documentary style explanation as you're following from monster to monster as far as like why they might be fighting with one another and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good premise. I, I would check out something like that. Yeah. You know, documentary style, you know, of uh, Destroy All Monsters, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting idea, you know, to take the humans out. Just make it about the monsters. I mean, that's what we're there for anyway. <laughs> we're there for the monsters. Right. And the goal was saying, you know, about the last movie, King of Monsters, um, they did a good job of taming down the human element because that's the problem usually when the Americans try to do a Godzilla movie is they try to put too much human element in there and not give us enough monster. They don't give us the big G. They don't give us what we fucking want. Oh. Talk, you know, and there's just too much talky-talky-talk. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, though, because yeah. if the whole movie is just all monster, 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 there's no storyline. And when you look at, like, you know, the Japanese versions of the film... You know, those those original films, it was very much a drama with the monster kind of being like a surprise little thing that was going on. And you got bits and pieces, yeah. little pieces. And then finally the big reveal at the end when you have your battle sequence or whatever it is. Um, I feel like, I mean, listen, you know, when you say the, when, when they try to do the American versions of Godzilla, there's really only two. You know, there's the Matthew Broderick movie, which was fucking horrendous. This is a terrible thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had the wonderful <laughs> experience of seeing that in the movie theater. And even then, I knowing, even knowing then that that movie was just a 
bad fucking movie. Only made worse by the fact that they then decided to continue that storyline in cartoon form where the Matthew Broderick yeah. character had taken one of the eggs, which they gave birth to, and then Godzilla, the hero, was fucking born, man, which was just like, what are you doing? Why? It's like Denver the Last Dinosaur with Godzilla. Yeah, I like Denver the Last Dinosaur, though. I used to love that fucking show back in the day. He's my well, friend I, I, and a whole lot more <laughs> than the last dinosaur. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, cool, but, dude. Uh, okay. 80, aside, aside, cool. 80s theme songs, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, aside from the Matthew Broderick one and, the, and our recent series, you also had Godzilla 1985, which is was another uh, attempt at Americans trying to do Godzilla. You know, but wasn't that again, a Japanese was, movie that they added American scenes into, just like they did with the original Godzilla? I thought that one was the straight-up um, American version. I don't think so. I think Godzilla 1985 was what they did with the original version of Godzilla, where they took you know, some American actors and kind of like put them into place to make it more of an American movie, or at least make it feel like an American movie. <laughs> Yeah, you you yeah you might be right on that one, but yeah. it definitely wasn't just, an American production. You can tell by that. You know what I mean? It looked just like all the Toho films. <laughs> yeah, it definitely had the same quality as far as monster and stuff like that was concerned. <laughs> um, but the uh, reason I brought up uh, Michael Zorty, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Duel. No, no, it's just giving the confirmation. Produced and distributed by Toho <laughs> Studios. It's the uh, it's the American adaptation of the Return of Godzilla. So they just re-edited uh, American okay. footage into it. Okay, cool. Thank you, cool. <laughs> Confirmation made. Um, but yeah, why I brought up Michael Doherty is because uh, there's a lot of Hellraiser talk recently. Uh, David Bruckner is going to be directing a Hellraiser reboot with David S. Goyer writing the script and also producing. But it was also announced this week that there's going to be a Hellraiser TV series for HBO where David Gordon Green, who just directed Halloween and the Halloween Kills and, and Halloween Ends, he's going to be directing the pilot in several episodes with Michael Doherty writing the scripts. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because it's going to be like Hellraiser versus Hellraiser. You know, who does it better, the reboot or the series? And I think there's a better chance with the series because uh, I think, Ghoul, you had said that in the group chat about doing an anthology style. And I, I appreciate that more. I like that idea better than just a straight reboot. I- I mean, you ask me, it's the way to go with it. You know, Hellraiser is always about a person's personal experience with what they deem as hell. I know everything got, you know, popularized with Pinhead and Cenobites and always keeping them in the forefront. But the reality is, is that whole entire movie series should have always been about someone's experience, you know, through being a... I mean, if you want to take into Christian iconography into it, someone being a or, or religious iconography, you know, someone being a sinful person, and therefore they're going to hell. Well, this is how it's done, you know, and different representations of it. You can always, and that's what they should do with the show. Obviously, you can have Cenobite-like creatures, or if you want Pinhead, not so much as a host, but you know, have them drop in every now and again as somebody that you know is like in this hellscape, let's say, you know, similar to what we see at the, in the second movie when they finally go into hell itself. Um, you know, uh, that's what I would like to see in the series. As far as remakes go, I don't know, man. You know, there's what, like eight or nine 
original Hellraiser movies, one of which doesn't have yeah. the original actor as Pinhead, or two that have the those two don't have the original yeah. actor. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I watched up to like six, and I, I forget whichever the one. One of the last one I remember seeing mm-hmm. that I actually remember seeing was the yeah. last one that had Kirsty Cotton in it. Uh, like she came back, so I think that was six or seven. Yeah, um, the one that uh, that didn't have uh, Doug Bradley as Pinhead, that was Hellraiser Revelations, and that was a soft reboot of the series. They were rebooting the series with a different actor playing Pinhead, except that he was as fat and didn't make any sense. And then there was Hellraiser <laughs> Judgment that came out that kind of it made up for it, but it's just it's not the same without Doug Bradley. Like you just you need Doug Bradley in that role. Um, but like you said, Ghoul, an anthology series it does work, and they could do it like they did with the Freddy's Nightmare series where Freddy is not in every episode. Now, he might host it, but he's not in the actual episode that you're watching. It's just about having nightmares on Elm Street. Um, doing it that way, I think, would work better because you don't need to see Pinhead all that much. Like in the original Hellraiser, you don't see Pinhead that much. Like he comes no. and he goes, but he's not the center point. You know, it, they it's were Christy so Cotton. light in that film. And yeah, Frank. They were, they were used very lightly with Frank and Julia being the evil protagonist of the movie. Um, so that's why I love that first one. Even the second one's good. <laughs> I fucking love that. But, uh, I love that team. I had a buddy, AJ, man. Like, he sent me a picture the other day. Uh, I think it was, like, right around Easter or whatever. And he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, what the hell is fucking wrong with people? Like, somebody, like, I opened up a page and, like, this is the shit that I see. And it's the scene of Frank when, his, uh, when he's, uh, obviously, he's wearing Kirstie's father's skin. Um, yep. But it's just before he gets stretched and he explodes, you know? And, like, AJ, <laughs> like, yeah, he can't watch. He can't watch horror movies at all, this kid. He gets grossed out by it. Like, me and him watched Tusk together, and for him, that was like, it was a horrible experience for him, and that's Tusk, of all things, you know? Um, <laughs> so he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I mean, you know, whoever would want to even think of doing something like that, stretching somebody's skin like that, or cutting their skin off, and I'm like, dude, I sent him the link of, like, the scene itself, just so I was like, just wait till you watch the rest of it. I go, the line that he says is the, is the greatest part, but what happens right after is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, Monkey, I'm uh, surpri- what do you I'm, think about those yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised the ghoul isn't more uh, anxious about this series just because, um, you know, we, we all like the Hellraiser stuff, but the ghoul always loves, you know, and suggests the route of, you know, take it and put it in a series. You know, and aside from the anthology thing, then you can also go around and start to give backstories of some of the famous Cenobites and maybe give personal histories behind them. Hmm? I don't need that. See, like, for me, like, when we got Pinhead's backstory, it kind of, like, it took away the scariness of that character. It took away all the mystique Mm -hmm. and the mystery. You know, like, I never needed to know Pinhead's background. I just, you know, I see Pinhead, and, like, for me, it's like, okay, you have the devil, the lord of hell, and then Pinhead's his fucking second in command. You know, that dude, there's nobody fucking more. It's not even that he's evil. He just loves the pain and torture. It's not a matter of evil. It's just pain and torture for the sake of pleasure, and that's all I ever needed to know about him. I didn't need to know that he was some kind of fucking soldier somewhere, and he did this, he did that. Like, no, I'm good, dude. Nope, nope, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know if Clyde Barker's going to be involved with this series? No. As far as I've read about all these articles, he's not involved. 
Yeah, <laughs> like Stephen King. Get that paycheck. Uh, yeah, I mean, the only big reveal for me was in Hellraiser 2 when they revealed the Chatterer to be a kid. I think that was, like, hardcore. Like, oh, he's a child. <laughs> <laughs> what did the kid do? And that's your Yeah, I know. What what, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, you know, mm-hmm. I think kids, like, you know, like, all dogs go to heaven. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> fucking you kid. Like, that kid had to have been, like, a, a mommy rapist and murderer. Like, he had to do some heavy-duty shit to get sent down into hell. Or he played with or he played with the puzzle box. So Yeah, yeah I'm sure he played with it. <laughs> And that was like the biggest thing because they don't give you his backstory at all. They just reveal that he's a child. <laughs> like, you know, that's it. And it's like, okay, I like that. We don't need to know why he's a child. He just is. <laughs> he's a chatterer, you know, and that's, it's, it was such a hardcore move that never got any explanation. But, yeah, I, I'm with the ghoul on that. I don't really need too much of an explanation like Colonel Spencer who opened the box and he became the hell priest. It's okay. But then they just kept going back to that well. And having his more of his backstory revealed with every film, like, I don't need oh, it. Okay, it's good. I saw it in part two. Dude, I remember <laughs> seeing the Bloodline in the theater. Yeah. Like, yep. Oh God, man! Like, and again, like I didn't see three in theater. Bloodline's so wrong. Like, I, my stepdad ended up getting three on bootleg tape, so like I watched it a lot. You know, and even watched back it, in the day, right? It's, I was like, it's got some, it's got some cool scenes in it. There's certain parts that are good, but for the most part, it's a pretty bad movie. But still, when they announced Bloodlines, I was like, I was excited. I was like, all right, man. I go, cool. This it looks like it's got a cool premise. I'm gonna really enjoy it. And yeah, I remember walking out of that theater being like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched, man. I, and it took years for me to finally go back and actually watch it again. I, it wasn't quite as bad as I remembered it, but it's still not a very not great good. movie. No, that's the one in space, right? Bloodline? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the one that runs yeah, through, like, uh, three different time periods. It's like past, yeah, present, a lot. type of deal. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to un- unpack with Bloodline. Because um, I love Hell on Earth, uh, the third one, just because they're introducing all these different kind of unique Cenobites. But, yeah, Bloodline went to space before <laughs> Jason Hulk Hogan. did. It's the Hulk Hogan Cenobite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the disc head and camera Cenobite and the twin Cenobites. Like they had just, they were just throwing everything against the wall. And just like the last director, <laughs> we talked about Charles Philip Moore from Demon Wind. Yes. Everything. Yes. <laughs> Throw it in there. Dude, that's um, dude, the, only re- man, the only reason I'd ever go back to the well with that movie. Uh, and like back then, especially was because in those early sequences, man, when that dude that ran the club was banging that one chick, man, it was just such mm-hmm. a great freaking like, it was like not obviously it's not hardcore porn because it's an no. R-rated film, Cinemax. but it was cl- yeah. it was close enough to where it was like all right I can handle my business as like a thirteen fourteen year old dude right now because I'm not lasting all that long anyway you know so yeah show it to me and if I remember right he's like pulling the Patrick Bateman too he's like flexing while he's doing it and everything oh yeah and I'm like yeah I was like that's gonna be me one day baby that's gonna be me <laughs> sure enough I know. Yeah. <laughs> give it time baby. Taking my lessons from Hellraiser 3. Um, so, Andre Overdahl is coming back to direct the sequel of The Scary Stories of Tell in the Dark with Guillermo del Toro writing the screenplay. Uh, no word if he's going to be producing. Um, while I wasn't a fan of Scary Stories of Tell in the Dark, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they could do with the sequel. You know, seeing if they get up the ante, like sequels need to do. You know, maybe go a little bit darker than what they did with the first one. I mean, I'm excited either way, just because it's more stories. I'm just hoping that they, they kind of learn from the first one 
and maybe go a little bit darker, a little bit more of a horror route with it. Uh, Ghoul, have you seen this one yet? I, I have yeah, not. I, oh, yeah, no, I saw it in theaters. It was right after I had gotten my uh, my A-list, so it was one of the, the mm-hmm. earlier films that I had seen with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I had said it then, you know what I mean? I wasn't one who read those, so I didn't know a lot of the stories going in, which was kind of cool. I liked going in blind. Um, but, yeah, overall, I was disappointed only because, you know, I had been hearing – so much from the king, so much from the dean um, about it that I guess I had a higher expectation of what I was going to see, but I had to, I guess, temper it to the fact that it's catered towards like a, a, a tween slash yeah. early mm-hmm. teen demographic. And that is, I guess, where it really killed me because I thought it was like, all right, it could have went scarier, but it didn't. Uh, maybe like a Netflix series or an HBO series would be a better way to go with it. Uh, yeah, that would again, be cool. another series, another anthology, it might work. Um, but like I said, we'll see. Um, because there's so many stories in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that they didn't do in the first one, which I understand. But there's a lot of dark stories in those books that would really work for an R-rated movie. And I'm sure they're going to keep mm-hmm. it PG-13 like they did with the first one, which, again, they have fine, to. you know, because it wasn't terrible. Um, but I just, I want to see something different. Um, so that's Scary Stories of Tell in the Dark, and we'll see when that's going to come out. I mean, it was just announced. But um, this is interesting because Sebastian Stan, who we know as the Winter Soldier in the Marvel movies, he wants to play Dracula in Karen Kusama's Dracula film that she's going to be making for Blumhouse. Uh, and his main reason, not just because he worked on Destroyer with Karen Kusama, but also because he's from Romania. And he thinks that puts him in the front running to play Dracula. So, uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. Ghoul, how do you want to We don't know how much you love the Winter Soldier, Ghoul. <laughs> oh, I mean, listen, like I've, I've said it so many times that it's my favorite fucking, like, you know, as far as the Marvel films go. It's easily it's the best not, Captain America movie. It's, it's not, it's the best fucking Marvel film that got made. You know, it's just, I, w- I will stand by that. Even with Endgame, even with Infinity War, and all I'm of that, that is, the, yeah. that is the one fucking Marvel film that you can sit any person in front of, and there's no way they're going to watch yep. that and not enjoy that movie. It's just, a, it's a great spy story. It's a great action film. You don't need to see anything that happened in any of the Marvel films before it, and it doesn't matter if you see any of the Marvel films after it. It wraps up very nicely, and, and that's that. Um, yeah, as far as him being Dracula, I mean, look, if, that, if you want to say, hey, I'm Romanian and that's why I'm going to be Dracula, uh, all right, oh, okay. Um, Looks-wise, yeah, I mean, if you give the guy some long hair, he can pull it off. I mean, they used what's-his-name um, to do it the last time with uh, Dracula Untold. Uh, that didn't go all that great. The dude from no, the, I uh, saw that once. Lee Pace. No, not Lee Pace. Um God, I can't remember his name right now. He was in the the Hobbit movies. Is the the guy who uh, <laughs> kills the dragon man? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know. His, I don't know his name. When you're talking about, he's, he's the one that killed uh, uh, Smaug. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, uh, Karen Kusama herself said that I don't even know when this movie is going to go into production, like because everything that's going on with the pandemic. There's just no way to tell when this movie's actually going to be taking place with Blumhouse. But Sasha Stan goes, yeah, just give me a call when you're ready. <laughs> okay. All right. Luke uh, Evans. Well, well. Okay, Luke Evans. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's okay. who was in Jackie Wan's <laughs> old. That's just a, such a forgettable movie, Jackie Wan told. I saw it in the theater and I regretted it. <laughs> I just didn't believe what I had seen. It just, it just wasn't good. I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't way, as bad as I Frankenstein with Aaron Eckhart, but it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, man? I like my I like my my vampires one of two ways. I either like my vampires evil as fuck, like mean and evil and angry and bitter, or I like them gay as hell. Okay, because I want my vampires fucking prancing around doing all kinds of fruity karuti gooty stuff. Because that's how I see vampires. I either see them as being really evil or just really just flamboyant. <laughs> So, so, no, I, I think he's saying like not, not evil ass Nosferatu kind of shit or Anne Rice. Is that what you're saying, Ghoul? Sorry, yes, kind of. Uh, yeah, sorry, I have to talk to the Ghoul girl. I uh, just want to check with you guys real quick. If somebody's got the ability to have somebody check our feed coming through Blog Talk, she was having trouble getting it started up, so I don't know if we're having an issue on their end. I mean, I know we're recording on our end, but I don't know if we're actually broadcasting out there. So if there's anybody out there, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll find, but yeah, see if we can find out about that. I'm sorry, monkey. Because again, I was getting information on the other on the other end. What were you asking? How I preferred my vampires? <laughs> so I was saying, you you pretty much prefer like nasty ass, mean as fuck, like Nosferatu kind of shit, or Anne Rice vampires? Kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I don't want I don't want emo. You know what I mean? Like I don't want Queen of the Damned Lestat. I want like Free mm. Lewis and Lestat. You know, Tom Cruise Lestat from. Interview with a vampire. You know, I like yeah. my vampires from the, the TV show, The Originals. You know, like those guys, like fucking Klaus in that show was an evil motherfucker at times, man. And like, that's what I like. I like when they're just killing, not just to kill, but just because they like to maneuver and manipulate and be dark motherfuckers. Like the Dracula series you recently saw. You know, like I thought that was a great representation. Yeah, Clay's Bang was great. Yeah, Clay's Bang, who played Dracula, was fantastic. I mean, me, I'm more of the uh, Lost Boys and um, <clears throat> I would say Near Dark would be a good one. Um, I love the, you know, Lance Henriksen and Bill Paxson are so badass. <laughs> um, but I would also say Fright Night with Chris Sarandon. I thought him as Jerry Dandridge, he could be evil as fuck, but he could also be smooth as fuck too. Yeah, but that's what, like exactly like the ghoul said though was you know destructive as fuck if he wants to be, but then smooth and fluttery because that's how Jerry was in that movie, man. He he was both sides of the spectrum. You know, I mean that's the thing though is that he was ambiguous, and that's what I loved about Chris Sarandon in Fright Night uh, as Jerry Dandridge is that yeah he can get the ladies, but he wouldn't mind a little dick too every now and then. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> he might like a little boat. It's where the most blood is located, okay? What do you think an erection is? All blood, man. <laughs> they, want, they want to play that. And he thing. also had his house, you know, and he had his houseboy, Billy Cole. <laughs> you know, so he was probably getting it from Billy, you know, whenever he couldn't get a woman over. But, yeah, I mean, t- it's hard because those are my three favorite vampire movies of all time. Near Dark, Fright Night, and Lost Boys. Uh, yeah, his name was Billy Cole. Yeah, no, I know, but my first thought was Billy Porter, that guy that just did the whole thing or whatever recently, and that's like what I just pictured in my head, and I was like, wow, that would be great. Billy Porter would actually be a good vampire. Like, I would actually watch a movie with Billy Porter as a vampire. Uh, you know, that could be made. You know, I would actually watch that. 
but it would have to be like the elegant kind of gay vampire. Like I think he would pull that off really well. <laughs> I'm not sure if he could pull off a, a badass, you know, duster wearing vampire. <laughs> no, he'd have to be that smart ass, sarcastic. Like I'm gonna suck your blood, but when I'm ready to, okay? You gotta make sure you clean that body your neck first. Thank you. <laughs> Moore's day right, is a vampire. Uh, Sure oh, I love that. Oh, my God. Morse Day in the time in a vampire movie? Make that fucking movie. Blood Rain. Morse Day in the time. I'm going to well, suck your blood. Speaking of them real quick, speaking of them real quick, we have coming to the Nintendo Switch and to, I guess, Steam, which is like a PC thing, is a freaking... Uh, oh, that's right. A Jay, a Jay and Silent Bob video game coming, like an old-school side-scroller beat-em-up, man. It looks so cool. That, yeah, the clip that you showed is so, looks so cool. I was like, I want that. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever thought that was a genius to make a side-scroller Jay and Silent Bob game. I may never believe it is. I cannot wait. <laughs> and it looks like it taps into several of the movies, not just Mallrats. No, yeah, I think it taps into almost all of them. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. Um, I wonder if they've got any dog in there because, you know, I know they can't release Dogma digitally, but I wonder if he's allowed to put it in a video game. I'd love it. Well, I think that's, <laughs> there's a dog I level. I, I think during the um, trailer, the, the ship monster was in there. Oh, okay, the Golgotha. Oh, from Golgotha. Yeah. Nice. All right. <laughs> so, so, speaking of... Like I've, like I said before, I read the script to Dogma before I ever got to see the movie <laughs> yep. because I just it, it was you know they were doing like a comic thing at the Freehold Mall. There was the script to that and the death of Superman. I was like, I love Kevin Smith. These movies will probably never get made. I'm gonna read them. Man, I have never laughed so hard in my life as when I was reading what the Golgothan was during that entire sequence. <laughs> Like, reading it in the script, like, I was howling with laughter. So it just, uh, to see it when it finally came on screen was so absurd. But, like, I just, like, I've yeah. said so many times, I wish I never read that script because I could only imagine what my reaction would have been to see that and, like, just and not know that that's what was coming. Like, I knew what was coming when the toilet bowl started bubbling over and stuff. I'm like, oh, here it is. <laughs> the Golgothan, which is still, I mean, I love that effect, though. For the movie... It works. But speaking of monsters, <laughs> we do have a movie to cover tonight, and that is Pitch Black from 2000, directed by David Twohian, starring Vin Diesel. Uh, Ghoul, this is your pick, so why don't you kick it off for us? What? Oh, yeah. No, just kidding. Oh, it's black, man. Uh, Hello. It's a sci-fi yes. horror escapade starring Vin Diesel and Rada Mitchell, and they are on a planet that goes into complete darkness and are besieged by alien creatures. Pitch black, everybody. Bye. See you next week. All right. Wrapping it up. I live for this shit. He <laughs> sure does. All right. So, uh, what so did what, you think about it overall? What, yeah. Oh, I got to give you like my opinion. Oh shit, man, I don't have those. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, 
This is one of those, obviously, I didn't catch this in the theaters. It was like a slip under the radar in the movie theaters for me. Like, I just didn't see it. 2000 was all about one thing, man. X-Men. The X-Men movie was coming out in the year oh, yeah. 2000. That was yep. the only fucking movie I cared to see. You know, I was waiting with, like, holding my breath, figuring that this movie was never going to come out. I was never going to see the X-Men. And Brian Singer brought me fucking X-Men, man. And that, for me, is the year 2000 all rolled up into one. But being a big sci-fi fan and a space fan, kept hearing grumblings about a movie called Pitch Black. Kept hearing about, you know, like, hey, this has got this big cult following. Hey, it's starring this new up-and-coming actor, Vin Diesel. He's supposed to be, like, the next big action guy. And this was, like, you know, like a a low-budget sci-fi movie that's going to be a classic type of deal. Um, Eventually catching it, I... uh, yeah, I mean, I won't lie. I was a little bit disappointed, I think, the first time I saw this movie because I had bigger expectations for it. Okay. Right. Monkey, what would you think about Pitch Black? Uh, same thing as The Ghouls. Uh, this is one of the ones that I missed in theaters just because, again, around that same time, I believe we also had The Matrix going on. So, no, uh, you know, no one was watching anything else um, except that kind of stuff. But, I, again, I caught it on VHS rental. Um, same thing. People were chattering about Vin Diesel and this new guy. Uh, saw it, and a little underwhelmed by it as well. But at the same time, you go back and watch it over and over and over and over again. And, then, you know, it, no matter what, this is the base of a franchise, you know, and – what turns out to be a really good series, and this is just the start of a small character. But all in all, it's a it's a fun little sci-fi horror movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what about you? Yeah, I, again, yeah, I I never saw it in the theater. To me, two thousand again, like the one said, X Men. So that's why I cared about back in two thousand. Um, snake, snake, so motherfucker. I, I, yeah, it was one of those things where I just I saw it on the rental shelf, and I was like, okay, Pitch Black. You know, I had seen Fast and the Furious, so I knew who Vin Diesel was, and I was like, I'll rent it, you know, whatever. I don't like sci-fi movies, you know, I'm not a big fan of them, but I watched it, and I was like, it's, it's passable. You know, it passes the time, you know, it's Vin Diesel being Vin Diesel, which we find out time and time again. He, he just has one mode, and that's just be a badass, who's kind of a dick, <laughs> you know, throughout the entire film. <laughs> and it works, and for some reason, he doesn't like anything that's on a tank top, as we find out through all of his movies, because he's got to show off the guns, which I get. <laughs> But the premise is bad, you know, with this bounty hunter who could see in the dark, but he's sensitive to light. I kind of enjoyed that. You know, I like the fact that it kicks you off real fast. I'm sorry. Yeah, because uh, Johns is the the bounty hunter. Um, Cole Hauser. I loved him in this movie. I love Cole Hauser. Uh, I'll watch him in anything. (laughs) Cole Hauser is one of those. He is one of those underrated actors who is an awesome dickhead. He is an awesome dickhead. Yep. Anytime I ever see Cole Hauser, I'm always like, man, I know this guy is going to be a great asshole because, you know, he's like, it's like Ben Affleck. You know how, how Kevin Smith convinced me that Ben Affleck is just a real douchebag because of how he performed in like Mallrats and stuff. I've seen Cole Hauser be an asshole in so many movies that there's just no way I can ever be convinced that he's not an asshole in real life. <laughs> he's got to be because he sells it so well. And even in this movie, he does really well. But, yeah, I just I like the fact that the movie just throws you right into the shit. It wastes no time. There's not really a big setup. It's just like, okay, the, the ship's being hit by asteroids, and now they're being landed on this planet, and now the captain's dead, and it's up to Fry to figure shit out. 
you know, dumping off loads, you know, into the planet so they can land. Drop you know, it's just, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. They are not wasting okay. time. <laughs> you know, they're getting right to it. You know, they are not wasting any time, yeah. you know. But, of course, you have Vin Diesel as Riddick, who looks like he's in a Nine Inch Nails video, like, throughout the first, like, half of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the blindfold and the yeah. ball gag. <laughs> I wanna fuck you. <laughs> like Trent Reznor's like, yes, this is what I want. South Park signage there. I But yeah, I think but, it's because yeah. they they dropped you in so fast that it's what worked. Like they just, it's not a lot of backstories. It's like we're dropping you in, man. Yeah. You're on the fucking planet. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. You get all these passengers that are working yeah. up at a cryo sleep that have no idea where the fuck they are, including fucking Keith David, another fucking actor I think is underrated who I love. I wish he was in more shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a, he yeah he's solid as hell. Just he as the mom always- in this movie. Always solid in everything, and he never gets enough to do in any movie, man. That's the one thing that's always disappointing for me. I'm always like, man, like, I remember Keith David being in this movie. I remember him being, you know, the imam is an important character, and yet I'm watching the movie this time around, and I'm like, wow, he really doesn't do all that much. (laughs) No, he doesn't. He has three sons, and he talks about how much he loves God, you know, and he's, he's on this hajj. You know, and that's really it. Mm-hmm. That's really all you get from Keith David. I was like, I wanted more. He's capable of more. He can do more. Watch they live. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Listen, I mean, again, the idea of this movie was the Vin Diesel show. You know, 2000 was a big oh, year yeah. for Vin mm-hmm. Diesel. You know, uh, prior to this, yes, it was. he had a couple of roles here and there. Um, mm. He was in Saving Private Ryan, you know, mm. which would have probably been yep. the first place I ever saw him. But, you know, besides, like, his, his death sequence and wanting to give that, that photograph, you know, because he was trying to help the little girl, um, mm-hmm. like, you know, he, wasn't, he didn't strike me as being memorable from that film. But the year 2000, you have Pitch Black, but you also have Boiler Room, you know, and that was the oh, film he's that so I hearing. <sighs> him being so, like, everybody was already talking about him being an action star, but Boiler Room was like that movie that people were like, you know, this guy can actually act. Um, yeah. So you kind of had this, like, one-two punch of, like, you know, here's a franchise film, which, you know, obviously, listen, they make a movie like this, they're hoping it's going to become a franchise. They don't know for sure whether or not it's going to happen. But Vin is like a... Mm-hmm. Vin is an... <laughs> like, it's funny. You, I, I want to say, like, Vin is an, intera- an interesting dude. He kind of is, because it's weird. For a big, muscly guy that's got all this Mr. Nerd, really. about him, he's a fucking nerd. He's a total geek. He's a video <laughs> game fucking loving, sci-fi digging, Dungeons and Dragons fucking dungeon master fucking nerd and that is so fantastic so like I know going into this watching that and knowing that about him he is really putting everything into this character he wants this character to be cool because he wants us as nerds to be like this would be us as a dumb badass motherfucker like you know when I go play Dungeons and Dragons with my buddies you know and I'm playing my stuttering fucking turtle like you know in my head I'm thinking yeah that stuttering turtle is a fucking badass you know not just me going. <laughs> and it's definitely one of those things with this movie is that you have all these passengers that survived the crash. Like you have John's the, the cop, 
you know, that is that arrested Riddick, but then you find out that he's actually the bounty hunter later on in the film. I mean, you have Fry played by Rodda Mitchell, who is the pilot. You have Amon and his three kids. You have a kid named Jack. You know, they're giving you all these characters, and they're trying to flush them out a little bit, but it really is a Vin Diesel show. Like, you're waiting to see Riddick again. Like, you want to see where he's going to pop up again. Yeah, but the weird thing about this, though, was um, Diesel, Mitchell, and Hauser, okay, when they were all brought onto the project, they were all brought in as possible leads. Hauser was brought on to possibly play Riddick. Vin Diesel was brought on to possibly play Riddick. And then Mitchell was brought on because they were possibly thinking about writing Riddick as a female. So so they brought all three of them on as potential leads. So then they were all kind of pissed off, you know, when they found out Vin Diesel got it and they did. (laughs) It's the right choice. It was definitely the right choice. You know, I think all the characters had the right roles. Like, Rada Mitchell as Fry is great mm-hmm. because she's not quite Ripley, but she is a strong female in a lot of ways, you know, trying to get this ship off the ground, you know, before the ultimate pitch black eclipse happens. Um, you know, making equipment so that they can dig and figure out their way out. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, she is that kind of a character. You know, John's mm-hmm. perfect dick. Especially in his interactions with Reddit. You know, the plan that he has to let, you know, I'll let you free if you get us off this fucking planet. Okay, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing with don't forget the moments. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's all about the moments, man. It's all about the memories. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Rodder Mitchell, man. But, you know, she's like one of those actresses that just never clicked for me. And when I see her in this movie, I totally get why they put her in this role. They never want you to really like her. You, you say, like, you know, she's kind of like a Ripley, but that's the thing. You get behind Ripley. You support Ripley. You never want to see I like anything Fry, bad happen to Ripley. You want to watch Ripley fucking kick people's ass. You know what? Fry, from the very beginning, you know, she's looking to dump all of the fucking people. She's looking to make nothing but selfish yep. choices. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, she goes on a journey through this mm-hmm. film to a degree in which, you know, by the end, she's willing to take responsibility and mm-hmm. sacrifice herself. But that's the thing. This isn't like a... Uh, a deep blue sea moment where she's sacrificing herself willingly to make up for her sins. This character, you know, when she's going and fucking saves, you know, Riddick at the end of the film, so to speak, you know, she's literally telling him, like, look, I'll die for them. I'm not going to die for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's also, so, she, she's also someone who's very selfish of nature, like the ghoul said. You know, she's, she's, you know, looking out for her own ass, which is why she wanted to dump all the pods you know, as they're crashing to the planet, okay? But then she's thrown into a leadership position. She doesn't want to be there, but she's thrown into that position. And she does have that one moment with the, the three kids of Amon where they're like, Captain, Captain. She's like, I'm not the fucking captain. Like, I'm not, <laughs> you know? Just get away from me. You kids need to go find space. You know, I mean, because you know, then you have the character of Paris, you know, who is the collector. I was like, I wish she was the first one to go. I just had no association with that character. Yeah. Just, it's like release. they're all a bunch of assholes. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's brought, brought yeah. in for comic relief, which is the one thing that, like, okay, you know, I felt like this was almost like uh, they were trying to borrow from, like, different movies. You know, like, I felt like the inspiration of certain things from the movie Alien. Felt like, you know, like, mm-hmm. his character, I kind of felt like his character was almost like he could be related to the brother in the Mummy movies, you know, which would have come out, what, like two years prior to this, I think, the first Mummy was there? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that oh, was my dear, my dear sweet baby <laughs> sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's what this guy felt like. It felt like, you know, you could easily swap the two of them in both of those films and, like, here you go. Except that character works in one franchise. Here, it's like, yeah, you're waiting for him to have some kind of great comeuppance where he's going to die because of the way he is. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a comic relief character because we also have Jack, who's this little kid that kind of takes a shining to Riddick. I just love the fact that he's a, a badass and he's a criminal. You know, even wearing his, you know, the same type of eye shades as Riddick wears. You know, kind of this fandom moment for this character of Jack. <laughs> it's still a kid. You know, Rick doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I fuck about you, man. Like, I just, I, I love that aspect about him. That he just doesn't care. Like when he disappears, you know, from his shackles, and all of a sudden he appears in Paris in his chair. You know, drinking the wine that he has, just watching everybody panic. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's just in full control. Yeah. He just he, he's assessing the situation, and he knows what he's there for. While everybody else is panicking, you know. Um, and then when Zeke ends up getting killed, they all blame Riddick. They're like, "Yeah, he did it, killer." Well, well that's also because you know at this point, all we're getting is John's information that this guy is the most badass killer around. He has just murdered people for the fun of murdering people. Um, and you got Riddick stalking around everywhere. There's scenes where, like, people are, like, yeah. looking around, and all of a sudden it'll, like, the camera will pan a little bit, and you'll see there's, like, Riddick hiding behind bones. You know, like you said, him sitting mm-hmm. on the roof of the thing, you know, watching from a distance while they shoot one other survivor, you know, who just happened to freaking come across fire. <laughs> um, you know, like, all these things. Which was like, funny you know, as hell. He, he pulls a freaking... Uh, Crispin Glover, where he snips a little bit of freaking Rodham Mitchell's hair, and he's like smelling it. Oh yeah, Charles Angels. And you know, I was waiting for him to like scream, but obviously that didn't happen until later. But still, um, you know, so we're being sold like he's the baddest fucking thing on the planet, man. This motherfucker is bad. He's evil. He's gonna kill you. He's gonna gut you. He's gonna fuck your intestines afterwards. Then he's gonna go to your mom's house. Wrap him around her neck, bang her with your intestines that he already banged and left his jizz in. He's gonna put them on top of her. He's gonna do your dad at the same time, bang your sister, impregnate your daughter, even though you didn't even have one yet. Like this is what we're being sold to this guy. And yet at the same time, he's supposed to be likable too, which is just weird. The idea of the anti-hero was all over I never liked him. Two thousand. I never liked Riddick as a character. That's the entire film. I never was behind him. Like, I was never like, yeah, that, he's an antihero. He's a badass. I like him. No. I was like, he's just an asshole. <laughs> he's looking out for himself, first and foremost, because he is. But at the same time, I just, he never had a moment where I'm like, yeah, that's it, Riddick. You did it. You know, you redeemed yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? No. Well, that's the entire movie, he's not doing it. He's not there for redemption at any point, and that's what, for nope. me, makes me like the character. You know, at, at, at any point, even when he seems like he might be doing something to be nice, you kind of find out at other times that he's not quite doing it to be so nice as much as it might just be something that will mm. benefit him in the event. Oh, yeah. mm. oh, completely. Right. Um, and uh, on top of all that, he's just extremely charming when he, when he wants to be as well. You know, he, he's able to sit there and do all of that and still <laughs> be able to get people to, like, have this equal share of, like, <laughs> um, loathing and love at the same time for him. It's odd. Almost like a cult leader kind of thing. <laughs> well, and what it's was more great? of an yeah, awe. Go, yeah. Oh, go ahead, mm-hmm. King. I'm sorry. 
I was going to say what worked for me is the back and forth between Johns and Fry and then Riddick and Fry. How, like, they're both playing her. Like, they're both playing yeah. their own game with Fry to convince her of different things. Like, oh, you think that Johns is a cop because he's got that fancy blue uniform on and the badge? He's not. He's a bounty hunter. I'm more worth alive than I am dead. And then Johns is like, he's a bad motherfucker. You can't trust him. You can't believe anything that he says. Don't go near him. So it's like a constant cat and mouse game. Doing yeah, John's and Reddick to convince her of the stories. But here's the well, thing. Where are you gonna John's take lies. John's lies. Riddick never yes, lies. That's the thing. Nope. Riddick doesn't lie about it. Riddick is going to give you the truth whether you fucking want to hear it or not. He admits he's killed people. <laughs> it's happened. It's not, you know, whatever, man. John's has lied and used things as a deception, even if he hasn't completely lied. You know, he wears the uniform to make it look like he's an authority figure, when the reality is he's just a mercenary. He's just a fucking guy out there who's doing it for a buck. Um, he's a know, merc. So that, that, I could, <laughs> that I could appreciate. You know what I mean? Like I said, like I may not – I definitely don't like John's. I like right. – Critic in the fact that again, if they really wanted to make him the quote-unquote anti-hero, they would give you a sequence in this movie in which you find out that Riddick was wrongfully accused of something, or it wasn't exactly oh, yeah. what they yep. made it sound like. You know what I mean? And they never do that. That's something that I always appreciate about this character that kind of flows true throughout the subsequent films as well. Um, he is just, he's an animal in human form, you know, which again, you find out he's not quite human as you go later into the story. So, <laughs> no, I haven't seen anything past pitch black, but yeah, you definitely get that where I was waiting for it, watching it this time. I was like, are they going to have that moment where it's like he was wrongfully, con- uh, you know, convicted and actually John's is the killer and he's not, and he's just, he's going to jail for John's. Um, because John's had that moment with the, mm. the morphine mm. where he's injecting himself and mm. I was like, what the fuck? Like I could have given that to Captain Owens mm. and he could have survived. He's like, no, that guy was dead anyway. Mm. And besides, no. he killed his scar. Really did that. <laughs> it Sweet wasn't so he could survive. It was so that he could have died with less pain. That's what she was saying. Mm, she was okay. saying, you know, cause he died yeah. that way, you know, in terrible pain because they didn't have any mm. way to ad- uh, mm. anesthetize him. Yeah. So right. another lie. First time too. Big word. Yeah. And they did write a, a story for Riddick where he was supposed to have been a sergeant in the military, worked his way up through the military, then worked uh, his way to um, military <clears throat> excuse me um, sorry um, j- just um, do, doing prote- <laughs> yeah, doing protection <laughs> and stuff like that, sorry um, do, doing military security but then at the um, place where he was working at, things were going wrong. Military people were taking advantage of the prisoners and the workers, and Riddick retaliated, and that's why he ended up killing some military people and ended up on trial and whatnot, where this is where John comes in, taking him to where he's supposed to go. Okay. I mean, too much backstory, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, the little, the better. <laughs> you know. Well, again, um, I mean, listen, the reality is this. We're never going to do any of the follow-ups because all of those go more straight sci-fi with no horror, especially the second film. Okay, yeah. Uh, Monkey, uh, Monkey, I take it you've seen the two follow-ups. I've seen the three follow-ups. 
Oh, you saw dark. So you saw the cartoon as well. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I watched. I watched I, that yeah, for the first time. I, I own all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, so okay. do I now. Um, yeah, no, I watched. Yeah, that finally, uh, I know that bridges between this movie and the second movie. Um, yeah. And it's done, I guess, and, by the. It hasn't been done by the people that did Aeon Flux, right? Because the animation ex- style yeah. is exactly the same. Yeah, it, it is the same studio that did Aeon Flux. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense then. But yes, um, but on this planet, franchise, like they really wanted this <laughs> to go Star Wars is where they wanted to go with this. They uh, to to say this builds lore in the second movie is it's way too much. Let's just say they tried to give you all kinds of weird backstory stuff, introducing a fucking plague-like galaxy-hopping group of individuals called necromongers. Like, it just kind of goes off the rails. And then they did a major course correction with the third film, which I feel is more in line with this movie. And it was almost like a remake of the first film, but done with better special effects because they had it at that point. And then they're working on a new Riddick movie Oh, soon. But, <laughs> you know, so that's where that along goes. With, also, uh, also, along with a TV series as well called Merc Life. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, Merc Life. Merc Life. Like Thug Life, except uh-huh. it's Merc Life. Not a fan okay. of that. But as we find out on this planet... Is that there's going to be a, a total eclipse with the three suns on this planet, oh, so they have to really quickly get this ship going so they can get off this planet. But that leads to the creatures coming out at night, and Riddick finally being able to use his weird eyes yeah, and seeing them come out. out it's beautiful. The greatest moment is Shasa <laughs> when she's running with Riddick and they duck down for the first time. And all the, the insects or whatever you want to call them, aliens, go flying by. And then Shasta gets up and goes running. And they're like, no, no, get back down. And she just got completely cut in half and then carried off. Mm. <laughs> like, fucking hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, cool. it was some very mummy CGI. I, I'll give it that. It's like oh, that's the it was 2000 effects. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely 2000 effects, baby. <laughs> and that's the thing, though. We're and see here in the year 2000, we're in a weird point because you have some movies that are showing you some really cool things that they can do with special effects, but then you also have movies uh-huh. like this in which it's like this was more the standard. So like trying to weigh it by that standard, like for somebody to watch this now. You know, who had never, who, you know, let's say somebody that's 14 or 15 at this point. Right. You know, they're going to watch this movie and they're going to be like, wow, that's really fucking terrible. And when you look at movies like Jurassic Park from like 1993, which had some awesome computer effects, it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Seven years later, you're making something that looks this bad. Alien <laughs> came out in the fucking 80s and it looked better than a lot of this <laughs> stuff, man. I wish they did less on the CGI, especially with the creatures, because the design was kind of cool. I just wish you could see more. Yeah, well, yeah, and well, it just... It worked in some Yeah, and what it was is with the creature designs, I think it was uh, EDI was the studio that did creature designs, and they went through like five different changes for character designs for the, the creatures just because first they didn't want them to look like the aliens. 
then they didn't want them to um, look too CGI, so they tried to stre- streamline them down so they would be easier to animate. Then they didn't want them to look like, of all things, you know, they were worried about people confusing them with the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. So then they went and re-edited it again, uh, you know, just adding the split tail for it and stuff like that. But l- later on in the movie, we get a decent balance of practical effects and the not-so-great CGI. It's like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, those moments of CGI where we have close-ups and they're just trying to show the creature, I really wish they had gone practical for those specific scenes. Well, I also think, though, yeah. that's why yeah. we see a lot of weird camera tricks in this film. Color changes, like weird things that you oh, see yeah. in like certain sequences where like, you know, they go with like a blue tone, even though we're not even seeing mm-hmm. out of any other perspective. We're still using God vision at this point. So we're just seeing a scene with a weird color for the sake of doing it. And I think they kind of did that so that it'll be an easier transition because the whole film you've been seeing weird camera tricks. So now when you're going into this like almost black and white style static looking thing that's supposed to be the alien vision, it was just easier to transition to that because your brain is already accustomed to all the different camera tricks. Mm. And I like the the alien vision. I think I like that the best, where it's like liquid fucking gray, you know, and when they're trying to look for their prey, you know, and seeing the bodies. It was cool. Like, I don't know why I liked it so much, but I just, I liked that alien vision, especially when Riddick was there Mm. and they couldn't see Riddick. You know, like he was almost invisible to them, you know, when they're trying to search for him. Like, it was just a cool effect. Well, I think it, you hear that they look like a Mr. Wiggly. Obviously, nobody knows for sure, but I believe that they're completely blind, and they use sonar. They are. So they're, they're beaming shit out and seeing a picture back. Um, though at the same time, though, they can't be, because Riddick's looking at the one's head, and he puts his face right in front of it, and he says it's a blind spot, which means they can't see him. So they have to have eyes or something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be that you do everything through echolocation like bats do and stuff like that. That was the point is they're not supposed to have eyes. I think what Riddick was saying is he found a spot where the echolocation doesn't bounce back. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay well, I, mean, I definitely got tired of the siren noises after a while. Like they were sounding like fucking cop cars. Fucking these canyons. Oh, they're here. It's a, it's a gay um, <laughs> It's a gay, it's a gay pride parade getting ready to get, start off in San Francisco. <laughs> With the beat drop. goes <laughs> boom. I just, I love when they build this sled with the the solar, you know, engines on it, and they're carrying it through, you know, the canyon, and they have all, you know, the the bioluminescent tubes on, like we're gonna carry this through. Because they're, cause they're going to, they're going to a rave. <laughs> but of course, these pirates are freaks out. I can't do this anymore. I'm so scared. I have to run off. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> well, welcome to the... the I did, it was such a great shot. When he has that, that little her. thing of whiskey. Talk about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is true. With, with his death sequences, he's, he's chugging that. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to die in Paris. Really, I've never even awesome been to Paris. What were you going to say? It's just, it's, you know, I I love happenstance moments. You know what I mean? Like, it just so happened that they crash landed on this planet the day before the planet goes into a 22 year cycle of complete pitch black. 
and they just so happen to have one guy on board with them who happened to have his eyesight changed so that he can see in the dark. Um, I mean, I just, I just wish that they could have come up with like a, I don't know, maybe some kind of like foreboding reason as to why this eclipse is occurring rather than them literally happening to be like, Hey, like why even bother giving that explanation? They should have just left the 22 year thing out of it, you know, with the whole little, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 the little solar powered psych, uh, sequencer that they had that she fast forward oh, yeah. 22 mm-hmm. years and that shows her that the eclipse is about to happen. Like they could have just crash landed on the planet and then the eclipse could have happened. Like it just didn't need to be like, well, they know that the eclipse is going to happen. Like it, it just, eh, it just drove me. It's just something that was like little, but it bothered me. Well, you want to talk about things that are little. Yeah. It's after Paris gets killed, and Le- Fry's like, "Why you want to know?" And no, I'm going to not save Dick. <laughs> but it's the fact that Riddick comes back as he could smell blood, and he's like, "Well, they want blood. They want her." And Fry's like, "Me? No, her." All of a sudden, Jack is like, "I'm sorry. I just wanted to be like the boys because I thought I could play Dick better." Like, oh, so you're a female now? Okay, well, cool. <laughs> and she happens to be <laughs> on the rag. <laughs> it's not necessary. Like it's such a stupid thing that I just didn't understand why they did it, and I just didn't care. I was like, yeah, okay, she's a girl now, and that's why the aliens twist. want them because she's on the reg. A surprise twist <laughs> that I think also was meant to build a longer character arc, which me and the monkey have seen. That comes to fruition in the next film. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen yeah. it, so I can't say. I've only seen this one, so I'm going off of this one. Where it doesn't, don't but, worry, okay, I'll, lend, okay, I'll, I'll lend you my copies. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. What I'm I'll never going to watch much. it. What I'll say is this much, man. She's at least attractive. She gets hot. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not oh, the same yeah. actor mm. at all. She's pretty hot. Oh, okay. No. That, that's, no. that's a good thing. <laughs> now, Monkey, um, you seem to be a fan of this series like I am. Which I am again. Like I said, like I might make fun, I might poke fun at it, but I really am a really big like. Fan. Did you play Escape from Butcher Bay? Did you get your eyesight like that? I did not because I didn't have the systems to play it back when they came out. Oh no! Yeah, because when they came out, it was originally only for Xbox and PC, and mm-hmm. I didn't have either. Yeah, oh, and I didn't have either, so I was. Uh, yeah, so I was never able to play them. You do now? Uh, yeah. That- I, yes, you could actually get the. It came out for the 360. They did a remastered version of it and added like an entire like chapter to the game. I never played that. Um, I played the original on Xbox. And you know what? Again, at its time, this was a great first-person shooter. Um, you know, Halo was the big system seller for Xbox. This was a good follow-up as far as like just giving you a story with a first-person shooter that also involves some, like, hand-to-hand combat as well, threw in a couple of stealth elements to it, and then, yes, you get to go, as you're going through this famed prison, Butcher Bay, you get your eyes done, you know, and you have to be able to do it in order for you to figure out how to get the hell out of there. So it gives you the entire (laughs) prequel to this movie right there. But how do you get eyes like that? Well, first you got to kill a couple people, and then you got to dig up a doctor, <laughs> give him some cool, cool menthols, <laughs> and give you a shine job on your eyes. <laughs> but, of course, we have to revert back to John, who wants, 
<laughs> yeah. well, we have I to go back to John no being the dick. <laughs> John's being the dick saying, well, let's use Jack as a fucking bait because they want her blood, so we'll just dangle her out there for these aliens and then we can get away. And we're like, no, bro, that's not how we do it. She's family now. Like, okay, Toretto. Like, you know, now they have to have a knockdown drag out fight. You can have any beer yeah, you want as long as it's a corona. Not the virus. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, hold on, though. Backtrack, though. Because he doesn't sit there and say anything about she's family now or anything like that. He's I was making a joke about Fast and the Furious. Uh, I know, but I'm just saying. But at the same time, again, that was the thing about Riddick, though, is he, he didn't really care about anybody. No, he cared about he didn't. them it's while just... they were there in the situation to help him get what needs to be done. But well, it, he wanted to kill Jones. That's the whole thing. He wanted to fucking take out Jones. Mm-hmm. That's the whole, that's the whole uh-huh. point of that fight, where he slashes him in the back like fucking Sid Haig with his crystals and galaxy terror. My crystals. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he has the blades. I kept going back to that. I kept saying, my crystals. Every time he broke out those fucking knives, <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> Give him that nice the slash in the back <laughs> and then leaving him behind. And John's end up getting fucking impaled by one of the, you know, the aliens. Like, that's cool, because he's a dick anyway. Like, sorry. Mm-hmm. That's how he tells Jack, don't you cry for him. Don't you dare cry for him. <laughs> and again, you know, this is, this is that case in which Riddick is, you know, the, doing the anti-hero thing without actually, without showing. You know, like that's in most movies, one of the other characters will overhear John's trying to make this deal with him. This way they see that Riddick is really not that bad of a guy because he saved, you know, he right. saved the young child's life. In this film, they don't do that. You know what? The fact is, nope. Riddick fights John's. They have no fucking idea why. They just start battling because these two guys have been going at it the entire film anyway. And, you know, I love the whole, like, they string up the lights. And, you know, of course, you got Riddick saying, there's only one rule. Stay in the light. <laughs> Perfect impression. Stay in the light. Stay in the light. You know, it's like fucking, it's, well, it's have a corona. It's the monkey's mom's most hated actors, you know, kind of representation. It's like Sylvester Stallone, just in the year 2000, you know? Oh, I hate that Vin Diesel. Isn't he Italian? Uh, yeah, probably yeah. something. Things like black and Italian. Uh, uh, you know, for years, you know, me and other people had like, I, I figured for years that he was eventually going to come out of the closet. There's something effeminate about him at times that, you know, I just figured that that was eventually going to be the case. But, no, nah, I guess he's not. Well, hell, he is. is. I mean, he, if, yeah. If it was going to happen, it would have happened during the pacifier. Mm. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. So do I. <laughs> but, again, it, it's, again, we talked about Keith oh, David being in this movie as the Iman. <laughs> what cracks me up is that Keith David doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. He just he has a couple lines oh. here and there. He's just there for survival. He has three he sons. Prays. One's been taken out. And I love that interaction with him and Riddick, where he's like, oh, "Do you still believe in God now?" And he's like, "Yes, I do. I love God. He's everything." He's like, "Yeah, I believe in God too, except I fucking hate him." <laughs> okay. But that was that was great. He's talking about the and then he's like. Or what about, you know, when you're left in a trash can with your umbilical cord around your neck? Yeah, I believe there's a God, 
but fucking hate that motherfucker. I do. I'm a racing one of these days. My daddy's car. I'm gonna ghost his And it, it, it just it works so well because when they're walking in the canyon after the rain starts and the Molotovs get you know put out, you have Solomon, the last son of Amon, get taken away by the creatures and killed. Like, Where's your god now, Amon? That's your god. <laughs> <laughs> I wear my umbilical cord a quarter inch at a time. <laughs> and he's and he's laughing the entire time he's saying it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, he's not, yeah. there's no there's no good in the character. All of his his good nope. motivations all stem from need. They all are just survival. They're going to help him get to the next. Exactly. And that's it. Everything's instinct and survival. And when you look at the character from that point of view, you realize that he is very much more anti-hero than so many other characters that get put in that light. You know, we see that with Blade. We see that with Wolverine. We see that with Venom. You know, but all of these characters, when they're in their, their films and whatnot, they end up being good guys that are misunderstood. This isn't a misunderstood guy. He's not a good guy. He's just Riddick, and that's it. And I can appreciate the shit out of that. Yeah, that's kind of what worked for me. Because after they, they get into this little cave area where they lock themselves in from the aliens, and you have Riddick going, well, I'm going to be right back. You know, I got the power cells. And he goes off on his own, taking his power cells up this muddy hill. He's going to leave. <laughs> Fuck these guys. I got the power cells. I don't need them. You know, it's like he's playing it perfectly because at no moment I'm like, oh, Riddick, yay. Like, no, I was like, he's a fucking dick. Mm. <laughs> he's he's going to leave. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's not an antihero. He's just an asshole. <laughs> he's just all about himself. And that's yeah, for that character. Straight, he, yeah, he's straight up powering it up, getting ready to go. But um, then we have Fry show up. And Fry's like, no, you got to come back and save him. And he's like, you know, you you got to go back to go get him. And he's like, well, how about instead you just come with me? Yeah. And, he's telling her, like, I'm not going with you, so you come with me. Then we can fuck all the yeah. way back to, you know, safety. <laughs> but then we see here I'm again. <laughs> but, yeah, like we said at the beginning, Fry either is no saint. And she's tormented now because she wants to fucking get off that fucking planet. She, 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 but she wants to go back about for guilt. She feels guilty mm-hmm. over all the lives lost yeah. in that crash. You know, earlier in the film, you had everybody saying, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But meanwhile, you know, again, she was ready to ditch everybody. Not like it mattered anyway. Crashing the fucking ship killed all of those people. So whether or not she ejected the damn thing or not really doesn't matter. A lot of fucking people died. Very few of them lived. Um, so, yeah, her, her little moment of, like, of clarity here in which her guilt finally turns her around. And she's like, I got to go save him, Mom and Jack, and you're going to come with me. And, you know, she, like, attacks him for a second. And then it's, like, almost laughable because he's like, twist, twist, and you know, basically <laughs> ready to kick the shit out of her. And that's the end of it. And, and then just her on her hands and he's just crying about how they have to go back and save a mom and Jack. And it's one of those things where, again, this isn't the hero moment for Riddick where he's like, you're right, we got to go back. No, he's doing it because he just, he's kind of fascinated by the fact that she wants to save these people. Like, he's just going back to see if she could actually do it. Like, that's the way I took it. Like, he's just like, okay, you want to go back into the shit? All right, that's, that's your, that's your yeah. thing, man. Let's see what happens. 
because that's the other thing about Riddick, though, is throughout the entire movie is he's poking and prodding people like almost like a, you know, a devil whispering in the ear, you know, just trying to get them all to do bad, you know, and yeah, just yeah, that's a good like, point. Actually, yeah. you know, and through it, through it all, like he's measuring their worth by how they're reacting yeah. to, you know, his just pure evilness. Yeah. I think it, it, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I think he was going to go back for Imam and Jack. I think his initial idea anyway, he didn't care whether Fry lived or died because of her earlier decision, because she was a coward, because of that. He, you know, he, he had maybe a, a similar animalistic respect for her being a survivalist, but at the same time, she didn't make that decision. She didn't pull the, the, the lever. So for him, she was a right. coward. She didn't do that. Um, but I think he sees Imam as a believer and Jack as an innocent. Um, and it's like almost like a case in which, you know, I don't know, I guess it's a bad example, but that, that fucking bear that got shot or whatever. Well, no, the gorilla. Um, Harambe or whatever. Harambe? Yeah, some people said that he was protecting the little kid. Other people were like he was yeah. attacking the little kid. You know, nobody really <laughs> yeah. knows. You know why? Because we're not in the fucking mind of a gorilla. Well, we're not in the mind of Riddick. <laughs> we don't know why he's doing what he's doing. We just know that he's doing it because he's a fucking Harambe. <laughs> you're not going to pull one out for Harambe. Poor Harambe. <laughs> Dicks out for Diesel. The poor girl. Dicks out for Diesel. There you go. Hashtag Dicks out for Diesel. <laughs> 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 because he's going back with Fry to rescue them, you know, and get up this fucking hill. Come on, guys, don't look back. You gotta climb up this hill, bro. I'm like, no, just leave me. I'm not climbing up that hill. I'm not. <laughs> you Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, you guys can do it. And don't forget your glow worms. <laughs> Bring your glow worms. <laughs> oh, those great CGI glow worms they put in jars. Well, so, yeah, the well, fuck with those. Actually, <laughs> those are actually the those are the law reform of the creatures that are oh, going around creatures. killing everybody. Yeah, oh, that's that's the law reform. Are you sure though? Where'd you get that info? I, I, I got it from um I got it from behind the scenes. The novelization. The movie. Okay. okay. No, because okay, they nice. have because you, because you have three stages. Is when they're born, they glow like that, which is why their parents abandon them is because they can't stand the light. That's their larva form. Then they go to the bat form, which is what ate um, a mom's kid in the um, coring room. And then you have the full-fledged hammer form as an adult. Okay, very cool. All right. I, I assume I assume that was the case with the glowing form that it was their like larva or whatever. But uh, no, very cool. It's, it's a shame that they did not bring that back in some way. It would have been cool to see like a mom still had one of those in Chronicles of Riddick or something, you know? Oh yeah. Like he was just a small <laughs> oh, little thing, and it, sitting there in the jar in his house, you know, in the early sequences. So Keith David showed like, that up in these movies. Yeah. Yes, he did. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, he's you know, he's not, listen, I know you're probably never going to see it, so it's not he's, he's not long nope. in this world. I'll tell you that much, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> I just love. How'd you get the Franks about the beans? 
But he, but he does get a hot wife. He, 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 he does get so a hot wife. How did you get the beans? Wait a minute, King. You know the Frank is always above the Frank. Okay? That's the one. How did you get the beans above the Frank? Okay? What are you, like, Chunky? Yeah, you putting it on upside down? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, son. Uh, Mom's favorite game. part. Yeah, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't. <laughs> um, so we have Jack and a mom, you know, being rescued by by Fry and Riddick. They get safely to the ship, but Riddick gets separated, and now he has to battle two of these creatures. Oh shit, Riddick! What are you gonna do? Because one of them can't see you, but now they can. Now you're being shown Predator Vision style. Oh, I'm gonna battle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad oh. I'm he, he, He's gonna Leroy Jenkins this shit and just run out of now. <laughs> Leroy, Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> 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 I love when Fry comes running around, yeah. And she's like, oh my god. He's like, yeah. Totally had to do what I had to do. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> and like the girl said, I'll die for them, not for you, motherfucker. Uh, like, I fucked it. <laughs> yeah. I fucked it to death. All right, get me I've out had, of here, Fry. I've, I've had moments like that, man. You know, there, there's definitely been grenades that I've. Uh, so yeah, you know, you kind of have to. You have to Vin Diesel your way when you're done with it. You know, you just gotta be like, "Yep, I did that." Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if she had a mustache. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna have a corona. I'm talking about family about racing. Yeah. Um, but Fry in trying to rescue Riddick gets impaled by one of the creatures and carried off and I was like, Oh shit, okay. So Fry's taken out and I'm like, damn I was like she was so close. You know, because I, I like the side character. And what does Riddick say? He goes, Not me. Not me. In other words, yep. you know what? That tells me right there that he knew the creature was coming. He turned around oh, yeah. purposefully oh, yeah. so that she yep. would get speared and taken away. Dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what I thought when I saw that. I was like, he purposely did that. He knew that she was going to get fucked. It's like so Terry Kaiser. Better you than me. It, it's like Terry but, Kaiser in New Blood turning the mom around so that she gets stabbed by Jason instead of him yes. getting killed. Yeah. But he had a great death anyway. He got his come up yeah. with a power saw. With that tree trimmer, extended tree trimmer thing. Yeah. yeah. See, I yeah. thought he was sitting there, but at that that whole not me thing, I I took it as he was, you know, talking about her and how she was saying, you know, she's willing to die for them, but not for him. You know, exactly. that's why he was saying not me. You know? Yeah. In other she words, did. he's saying to her. The exact same thing. Yeah. He's not yeah. dying for her because he could have not turned yeah. around. He could have taken it yeah. and she would have lived. But he's like, fuck that. Not me. <laughs> I fucked it already. Got a mustache. <laughs> Your turn. And she gets scared yeah, off into the darkness. Fry, yeah. Fry gets the spear. <laughs> and I hated it because I like Fry. I was just, I was disappointed to see her go, but it leads really to go back to the ship. All right. I'm a pilot too. I forgot to mention that earlier, but I am. All right. Let's get out of here, guys. Power this bitch up. No, but wait a second. I'm going to power it down. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. We got to take it down a notch. We're going to do a bridge. We're going to do a bridge. We're going to do this now. We're going to get sexy here. Where's that purple rain soundtrack? 
<laughs> and, and the monsters start climbing on top of the the spaceship, and he's like, "Yeah, we can't leave without saying good night." And then he just there and hits the thrusters full throttle, barbecues all of the motherfuckers that were all over the ship, you know. And then they just take off into space. And then they end up in Mexico, driving around in hot rods. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what happens is they end up getting picked up by this weird fucking chick who's got all these mercs on ice, including our new Johns, which is a guy named Toombs, who shows up in the subsequent films afterwards. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so, but, yeah, three, the, the cartoon picks up literally where this movie ends, in which they're floating in the lanes, and a ship ends up picking them up, and, and yeah. Yeah. But the thing and, that I had a I had a problem with, and I don't mean to cut you off, monkey. The problem I had with this, with the ending, is Jack saying, "Okay, well, what are we going to do now? You know, what are we going to say about you?" And he's like, "I don't know. Tell him that Riddick died in that planet, and now we're off." It's like, yeah, but no, people know who you are. <laughs> what are you going to put on a fake beard and a wig? Oh, Riddick, who's Riddick? He died on the planet. My name is John. <laughs> Got he's gonna pop in some googly eye contacts now. <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I don't have any shiny eyes. <laughs> yeah, like I just like he's fucking. He's a bounty. Like people are gonna know who he is. Mm. I was be like, yeah, mm. perfect dot in that planet. I'm gonna grow my hair out. They 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 don't really give you anything with that in the sequel. But again, the cartoon that bridges the gap, he tries playing off for a quick second that he's John's, and like literally they voice scan him, and they're like, yeah, no, this guy's like a multi-million dollar bounty. Like they know what's up. And, and in Chronicles of Riddick, it doesn't even come up anymore that he's anybody but who he is. Uh, that you'll never hear it again that he's not Riddick. You know, he is fucking forever Riddick, and he knows it. Richard B. Riddick. Okay, they needed to never give you his first Richard B. Riddick or middle. Middle initial, yeah. okay? Richard they could be the kick me out of it. Kick me with it. Kick me with it. I never got <laughs> from watching this movie <laughs> that it would be a franchise. I was like, how the fuck did this movie become a franchise? Like, well, it's a one shot. Like, this movie wasn't meant to be. This movie was only supposed to be a one shot because it was originally written that Fry was going to live and Riddick was going to die at the end. I would have liked that better. That's how it was, that was how it was originally written. And, and then he was going to have his hero moment at the very end, and then he would become that anti-hero that the ghoul was saying of, you know, he's actually just a misunderstood guy, and he was supposed to die and be left on the planet with the three of them taking off. So Smarter was it choice. their plan? To make, like, it's just, it, I don't know. It's like you said there's supposed to be a one-off, but then it's like, well, maybe they were planning a franchise because he survived at the end. Like, yeah. he's, Going off, because you know, then, with the mom and Jack. Right, because then they changed it in writing at the very at the last minute, and they were like, no, we're going to switch it up, and we're going to leave Riddick alive to possibly spin off sequels later. Because, but, it was originally because Diesel, but it was originally written as a one-shot. Because Vin Diesel was getting poised to be a superstar. And that was what it yeah. was. This was this is literally watching Hollywood. This is a director and a studio getting. This wasn't even Universal Pictures. They bought the company. This was the last film made by the company when Universal bought them. Um, but this is Hollywood molding yeah. a superstar. Because think about it, Universal Pictures is also the same company that a year later puts out the Fast and the Furious, starring none uh-huh. other. 
than Vin fucking Diesel. Yeah. Okay, this is this is how they formulated this guy and created a mega star. Um you know, who's had hits and misses. But for the most part, you know, Vin is entertaining. Like I've seen Bloodshot. I thought that was a, a lot of fun. You know, the only thing that I would say though is you have to remember something. This was during Vin Diesel's whole time period of I don't do sequels. So they weren't really planning to, That's right. to, yeah. to make future films because Diesel didn't want to make another sequel. So I wonder what it was that they were able to, like maybe they gave him more creative freedom with the character or maybe it was because they let him do the video game. Cause I know that was like his studio or something. Um, yeah. A lot of actors and actresses were getting involved with that kind of stuff. Uh, the one guy from uh, the, uh, Oh, God, I hate your fucking team too, dude. The Red Sox, the uh, the pitcher with the bloody sock. I can't remember his fucking name, man. But he had a video sure. game. Yes, he had a video game company that ended up going belly up after like making one game. Like a lot of people were getting involved with gaming because it was supposed to be like the big future fucking money maker. That most of them realized that holy shit, we can't actually do this and make money. Um, but yeah. Like, that was the only thing that he... Because remember, he didn't come back for Fast and the Furious 2. He had a cameo in Tokyo Drift, you know, coming in at the, ve- the very, very end of it. Um, yep. He didn't do sequels. Great movie. He didn't do Triple X 2, you know? Well, but he didn't do the third one. The Return of Xander Cage. But that wasn't until <laughs> 10 years later, and he had done fucking eight yeah. sequels to the Fast and Furious movies by that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even though he died at you know in the beginning of State of the Union Triple X, they said he got killed in action, but then apparently he, he didn't. So, but that's another says for another day. All right, so next week is the Dean's return. So he does have a pick for us, which is Return of the Dean. The Night Eats the World, which is a French zombie film directed by Dominique Rousset. So we're going to be talking about that next week with the Dean in return. So that, stay tuned for that one. All right, so Monkey, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we look forward to having you back next week. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror, and let me come in your ear. Good they night, everybody. Do, <laughs> they should do a Godzilla King of Monsters style film with all the Vin Diesel franchises, but have Vin Diesel playing all of his roles in the film. Like, do, it's like double impact, but like times 10, you know what I mean? Where you got him as like, you know, here's fucking Vic, uh, Dominic Toretto, here's Bloodshot, here's fucking Riddick, and Riddick can fight this one and that one. And Zender Cage. Which fighting Vin Diesel the whole which, time. Which Hunter? Which Hunter? Yeah, oh, there you go, yeah. Ow. Which Hunter? That's the next Vin Diesel movie we're covering here, okay? So, just, <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, look forward <laughs> to that one at some point. Yeah. All right, go ahead and sort of plug. <laughs> Uh, as always, everybody, please check out Etsy. Uh, go to Bonfire Bee Designs, all one word. Uh, Mother's Day is around the corner. She can do her damn best. You get an order in now, we might be able to get it out to you just in time for it. I know postage and all that shit is all over the place with all these things going on with COVID-19 and everything. But as things lift, we're trying to get things out quicker. So get on there. Otherwise, though, Father's Day is also right around the corner. Memorial Day. Labor Day, Fourth of July. I mean, all of these things. There's never think ahead, people. To actually, buy jewelry for your for your loved ones. You want sex? I had sex twice last night. It's fucking phenomenal, man. Yay! It's like, yeah, fucking it's awesome <laughs> stuff, man. And you know why? Because ten I out of ten from Bonfire Bee Designs. That's why. Woo! <laughs> ten out of ten would loads. recommend sex. That's how it's done. 
<laughs> Vin Diesel <All> right. style. <laughs> Hit us with that catchphrase. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And that's for me, as always, your old pal, King of Heart, Andy G, saying, Hail Satan, Hail Yourselves, Hail Odorous. Oh, and by the way, happy birthday, Jen and Sylvia Saska, the Twisted Twins. Another good oh, year yeah. for them. Check out Rabbit if you have a chance. They're fucking awesome. The girl can attest. He's got a shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Loving it every day. Thank you so much, Twisted Twins. We'll see you back here next time for The Night Eats the World.